Good morning, everybody. It's really good to see you guys. If you have your Bibles, turn them to 1 John. We're going to be in two passages in 1 John this morning, 1 John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 4. So I dare you to keep your pinky and finger in, uh, in both of those sections in 1 John. We are starting a new series this morning called One Another, and I'm just going to try to set it up in this way. Uh, I, I think we would all uh, give a hearty amen to the truth that uh, the greatest gift of the gospel ultimately is that we get God himself. Amen? Oh, whoa. Do you, do, you not, do you not like that part? Is that not the best part of what we get in the gospel? We get him? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. We're going to have to work on that, right? We get the Father. We get the Son. We get the Holy Spirit. Our rescue from sin and death is on the way to that. You understand that? So the whole point of the gospel isn't just simply we get out of hell into heaven. It's we get God, right? And that's, that's something that we share among us. That's something that we agree with and we celebrate. Uh, and, and you know what that means is, is that if we get God, one of the relationships uh, or one of the ways that that gets defined is that we are adopted by God. That means that you are chosen by the Father to be his son or daughter which means you are a brother and sister with Christ, which means you are co-heirs with Jesus, filled with the presence of the Spirit. That's a really good gospel. Amen? Let's try it again. Amen. Hey! You know, I just, I don't want to like create enthusiasm that's fake. Like, I just hope the truth does it enough for you, right? So, so with that, in the, tr- in, in, the, in the triumphal procession of everything that Christ wins for us with his death and resurrection... Along the way, very shortly after the first few things, is this right here. One of God's greatest gifts to us in the gospel is this here. What we get with one another. I didn't really hear an amen for that either. Okay. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do real quick. I want you to turn to a neighbor who is not your spouse or related to you in any way, and I want you to say to them, you are one of God's greatest gifts to me. Go. Amen. Hey, it's one another. It's this. It's us. This This is supposed to be turning back the fall. The community that we lost there, we're supposed to be finding it here. Amen. <laughs> now we're turning into one of them southern, southern churches, right? You can, you, you, just when I ask for it, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But this really is supposed to be and can be one of God's greatest gifts to each believer, the local church. And I will also say it this, it's really easy to talk about that and ignore the reality that oftentimes this can also easily end up um, being a stumbling block or a point of pain for us in our walk with Jesus, what happens among us here. And the answer or the question why, like why, why can it be such a good thing but also such a painful thing, is really determined by whether or not we as a people are going to be walking in the darkness or walking in the light. So, so God's got a vision for what this can be. And I'm always going to be trying to put it before you. Not to the ignorance of, of what can happen in, among us that can be quite painful or hurtful, 
But I, I want to put before us a vision of what God has, of what, what can be among us here. And so I told you to turn to 1 John chapter 1. Look at verses 5 through 7, because God tells us what his vision is for what we can have among us with one another. Look at it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is And there is absolutely no darkness in him. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, what do we have? We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see the vision there? See the vision for what he has for us in this one another place? Verse 7, that we have fellowship with one another. Koinonia, we have this community, communion, that we hold things in common, that we're, we're in relationship, that we're in unity, not simply just uniformity, but that there's intimacy there, that, that we're knowing and being known among ourselves. Much like it was in the garden, except for the whole naked part. We don't do that here. How do we get this? Like, how do, how do we get to that vision? How, what, what, what is the way in which we finally have fellowship, community with one another? What's the condition that we each walk in what? The light. the light, as God is light. Your walk, according to Scripture, is kind of like your lifestyle. It's, it's how you live. And, and there's really only two ways you can walk. There's the way of light or there's the way of darkness and And here's what can happen. Here's what scripture says things will look like among us if we walk in darkness. This is what it can look like. Anger and division and mocking one another. It can look like seeking self-glory from one another. It can look like passing judgment on one another. It can look like measuring and comparing ourselves to one another. Using the other for our own good. It can look like lying and gossip and and, and, and all sorts of slandering about one another. And it can look like backstabbing and grumbling against one another. And that's just a few of the many that are in Scripture. That when they are present with one another, those things can break the community, can break fellowship, can disrupt the vision that God has for what the local church can be. But if we walk in the light, not in the darkness, but in the light, there we'll, we'll find some community. And so the question then is, what is the way of light then? Because I, I, I want fellowship with you guys. I want true community. Not superficiality, true deep community where you guys know me and I know you. And we're not scared of that. What is the way we get there? The way of light. Well, what is the way of light? That's what we're going to spend this whole summer talking about. We're going to, I'm, I, I'm not saying that scripture says the one another commands are the way of light, but I'm going to tell you that they are a way of light. We're going to spend the summer each week looking at one another commands in scripture. Uh, so so uh, the New Testament is rank with them. Actually, rank is a bad smell. It's flowered with them, right? It's all over the place. You, you, there's actually 59 different one another commands in the New Testament imperatives for one another, for what it's to look like among us as believers. 
the church and how we're to interact with one another. And some of them, uh, one of them is like, uh, be at peace with one another. Okay, that sounds great. Another one, uh, you can find live in harmony with one another. Uh, there's a command to uh, uh, greet one another with a holy kiss, which appears four times. It's the second most popular one. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that we're, I guess maybe we're in disobedience here. That's not how we greet one another here. But I'm not arguing for that either. Okay? Don't go kissing somebody, right? Just, you... There's the hole. I'm in it. Um, the next one is encourage one another daily. There's all sorts of them. And for the summer, we're going to walk through key ones that, are, that I believe are going to be really helpful for us as a church family. So that as we walk in this way of light, as we each individually walk in this, there's going to be, hopefully, at, during and at the end of the summer, even greater a sense of community among us as a flock. Amen? I asked for it. Now, now what you're going to notice, what you're going to notice is that that the one another commands in context are for believers among one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. What you're going to find out is that they're, man, they're just really good practices for every relationship. Right? They're just really good goals for every relationship, good gospel goals for every relationship and the one another's. So this can, you, you might find out this might be more of a marriage series for you than anything. You might find it's a good parenting series or a good friendship series. You might find it's, it's a good series on how to be a good neighbor. These are all good things that Christ says are good. The way of light. And a one another command that underlies all of them. Every single one. That's, that's, that this one another, there's one another command that is foundational to all of this. And it's the most repeated one. It's found at least 20 times in the New Testament. Which again was more popular than the greet one another with the holy kiss one. And, and what do you think it is? What do you think the one another command is the most Prevalent, the most popular, the most repeated one throughout the New Testament. Love. Love one another. Can we say love one another? Love. Guys, look at how primal this is. Look at how, how integral this is to our faith. Just let's start looking at it. Look at Galatians 5. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through what? Love. Or what about, what about in 1 Corinthians 12, when Paul is detailing some of the giftings that are present among the body of Christ that each one of you have been gifted in? There's some discourse, there's some conversation there, there's some problems even with some of how it's being handled. But then at the end of that chapter, he's, after all these spiritual gifts, he says, but still I will show you a better way. And then we get what? 1 Corinthians 13, which is the what? The love chapter. It's, a, it's that chapter that gets read at every wedding, uh, but it's actually not even about marriage. It's about this. It's about what's supposed to be prevalent among here. Let's just see how he starts it off. If I speak uh, a human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, much like you heard on the drums this morning. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, Whoa, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give my, over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Guys, love is the best way. It is the better way. And not only that, but you can, you can even see in Romans 14, Paul is 
uh, talking about how it's going to be love among us that motivates a willingness for me to lay down my liberties when a brother or sister stumbles over my liberties. It's going to be a love that motivates a willing to sacrifice things that I know aren't scripturally wrong or that I, I have the liberty to enjoy, but if it causes another brother or sister to stumble, I will gladly throw that away and say, I care more about you. That's the kind of love that's supposed to be among us here. Love is our primary ethic as the people of God. Amen? Amen. Now, uh, before I dive into where we get the one another command from uh, and, and start talking about it, I, 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 I want to just also note uh, that today's message is not presented to you because there's a lack of it. I want to argue this morning that we are doing well in this, and I want to encourage us to do even better. So, so this is not to be like, uh, you guys got to measure up here. It's like, no, you're really, really good at loving people, and let's just talk about it more. And so let, let's start with where we get the command from. Uh, it's, it's just real simple. I'm not going to have you turn to it. It's, it's going to be up on the screen. It's from Jesus himself. He's, he's getting ready to be crucified. He's talking with his disciples. Uh, and, and this is what he says to his disciples. He says this, I give you a new command. I would have it up on the screen. I don't know what happened to it. Summer series. It's supposed to be real relaxed. So <laughs> That's what you're getting. Hey, thank you, Dave. I give you a new command. What does it say? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. You see, the emphasis is placed in the repetition. In two verses, he says it three times. Love one another. Agapao. It's uh, the verb form of agape, which is the noun form. And, and here's what's strange about this passage, though. I give you a what command? A new? A new command? What's new about loving one another? This is actually a really, really old command that we can actually find, I think, in Leviticus 19. It says this, love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Well, there, we, we're, we're commanded to love people. So we've had it all along. So what's new about loving one another? Well, I think you guys might know the answer. What's new about it? It's the new standard. It comes with a new standard this time. Back then it was love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's how we were defining it. That's what we understood. Because we know we, we take basic care of ourselves, right? Like, I, uh, I, I like to make sure I'm, my stomach's not hungry. I'm, not, I'm, I'm fed. I like to make sure I get a lot of rest. And, and so I need to make sure I'm loving other people the same way, right? Makes sense. But this new command that Jesus gives comes with a new standard. And he says what? Love one another. What is the standard? Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you. As Jesus has loved us. It's how we're to love with one, love one another. And, and so the next question I think we need to ask is, in what way has he loved us? What, in what way does his love, is, is his love so unique and so different? Well, that's why we're in 1 John chapter 4. Uh, Joseph quoted it earlier. We'll be in part of it too. 
1 John chapter 4. Flip there now. I, I dared you to keep, keep your pinky there. This passage, verses 7, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, uh, and through 5, 4, uh, probably one of the most detailed expositions of what love among us ought to look like. Love for one another in the body of Christ. The reason why I think it's such a prevalent topic, well, first, the verb agapao, which is unconditional love, uh, and the noun agape, it appears 32 times in this text alone. And so we could go in, we could just keep eating and eating from this text all day long. It's going to be a good meal if we do that. Multiple truths drawn out. So uh, the problem is, I don't think any of us have all day long. Uh, so, so study this on your own. Work through this text. I'm going to challenge you this week. Do that. But the main question we're trying to ask is, how are we to love one another? And so uh, I'm only going to read verse, uh, verses 7 through 12 of chapter 4. But again, I want to challenge you. Read all the way to the end of uh, chapter 5, verse 4 on your own time. Here's what it says. Beloved, or dear friends, beloved, let us love one another Because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us in this way, We also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I can't say everything the Bible has to say about love. I can't say everything this text has to say about love. But I want to emphasize two ways that this describes love in the way we're to be loving one another. And here's the first one that I see from the text. That God, he gives sacrificially for our good. Can we read that together? One, two, three. He gives sacrificially for our good. So look at verse nine. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. So we see that verse and we are asking the question, okay, so if we're to love one another as God has loved us, how has God loved us in, according to verse 9? Well, his love was revealed, it was shown or manifested to us in how God the Father sent his only, one-of-a-kind, perfect and precious son into the world that was in sinful rebellion, trapped in death, distanced from God, he sent his son so that we can live through the son, as verse 9 ends. Do you see the end goal there? The end goal of what God was doing was our life through his son's death. So the father, infinite and holy, gives the son to sacrifice him under the penalty of the law that we all deserved so that we could experience the good of life in him. 
Can you see how different this kind of love is from the kind of love we see on the TVs and here in the media? Can you see how distinct it is? Usually, we're taught and told to, to love those people and things that can be useful for our own good. But God's love didn't sacrifice us for His good. His love sacrificed His Son for our good. So, so let me try to illustrate this in two, uh, with, with two movies that... Um, one I did not watch. My kids were watching because we sometimes use the TV as a babysitter. Don't, don't knock it, parents. You know you do it. And don't think that that's a new thing. I was just thinking this morning, my mom, when I come home from school, when I was seven years old, turn on the TV right until dinner. It's like babysitting time, right? Anyways, so my kids were watching one movie, and, and one night I watched one movie. So the, my kids watched the movie Tangled. How many of y'all know that movie? Yeah, it's a great movie. One of my favorite kids' movies of all times. I love, I love, I love what it talks about and, and the image it has. But it's a story about Rapunzel, and it's a spin on it, right? And, and, and Rapunzel, this young, well, as she, when she's born, she's born with this really magical hair that when you kind of sing a weird song, it glows and starts healing things, right? And, and it can restore life even. So, 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 so what happens in the story, right? Mother Gothel, you remember that weird lady? She, she kidnaps Rapunzel as a baby from the king and queen. And she locks her away in the tower and uses her hair to preserve her own life and keep herself young at the great expense of Rapunzel. And you know, I mean, that song gets stuck in your head uh, when, when, when Rapunzel wants to leave. Mother knows best, right? Like it's just... <laughs> And some of you moms are like, my kids better know that, right? But several times in the beginning of the movie, in the beginning scenes of the movie, while they're locked in that tower, while Rapunzel is captive, Mother Gothel tells her multiple times, I love you. I love you more. And Rapunzel is believing it. She's thinking, man, I think she's got me for, for my good. She's protecting me from things, right? But no, 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 no. She was locking her away for her own benefit and good. Now, is that love? Not at all. No, that's not love. She stole selfishly for her own good, Mother Gothel did, instead of giving sacrificially for another's good. So I told you two movies. That was the first thing I saw where it was like in the negative. Here's what I saw in the positive. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Marvel series. Um... Well, it used to be. And then, um, then Ant-Man, Quantumania, Ant-Man and the Wasp came out. And I, haven't, I don't go to theaters. I just watch it when it comes out on Disney, uh, Disney Plus. And, and if you guys, I don't know if you've seen it. It's really new. So uh, Scott Lang, he's Ant-Man, right? Uh, they're, they're, the, the, the movie's in combat with a really, really bad guy named Kang. And, 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 and they get sucked into the quantum universe or the quantum verse or the quantum realm. That's what it's called. Apparently, I'm a really big fan. Um, and... And the daughter is captured by Cain, and Scott Lang is like doing everything he can to make sure she's safe. And Cain says, I will let your daughter go. I won't kill your daughter. I will let her go if you go get this thing for me. And out of sacrificial, self-giving love, he tells his daughter, I love you. And he just jumps off right into danger. 
at great cost to himself. You can see the difference there, right? Both of them are with a parent and a child nonetheless. Isn't that crazy? So how are we to love one another according to God's standards of his love for us? Well, if he gives sacrificially for the good of another, here's the challenge for you this morning. You give sacrificially for another's good. This kind of love doesn't keep people around and plunder them for our own good. Like, like love and marriage, man, if, 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 if you do the opposite of this, you will ruin everything. But if you head into the marriage saying, I want to give everything I can at great cost to me for your good, whew, it's going to be a blessed marriage. You can see the difference there. Major difference. And our church community, uh, our marriages, our friendships, but yes, our community, we will find fellowship with one another if we start loving one another that way. So that's the first thing I see in this text. Here's the second way that I, I see God has loved us that impacts how we're to be loving one another. Look at, uh, actually, I'll just go ahead and give it to you. Here's the second way. He made the first move. Can you say that? One, two, three. Now look at verse 10. Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now that sounds almost identical, doesn't it? But it expands it. Adds a little more on it. Talks about the nature of the sacrifice. But he puts something on the beginning of it. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He didn't wait for us to start loving him. He didn't wait for us to start checking the boxes off on his list of expectations for us. He loved us first. He initiated it. He started it. That's what we see in verse 19, if you want to take a look down there. We didn't read that far, but verse 19. He says, we love because he first loved us. You think about Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still in open rebellion, hating God, hmm, Christ died for us. Uh, how many of you, uh, when you turn on your, your, your uh, Pandora or your Spotify, you're turning on some casting crowns? Let's just go ahead and say, casting crowns, yeah? Some of you, all right. Well, they wrote a song uh, that I think really embodies this. It's called Love Moved First. Go listen to it. Let me just share with you the chorus. You didn't wait for me to find my way to you. I couldn't cross that distance even if I wanted to. You came running after me when anybody else would have turned and left me at my worst. Love moved first. It goes on to say the cross is the proof that love made the first move. Now, I'm going to land all of this into the context of this body here, but, but here's the challenge again. Here's the second big challenge for us and how we're going to love one another. If we're going to love the way God has loved us, we've already seen number one. Here's the second big challenge. You make the first move. 
Now, this isn't like dating advice. I'm not talking about how you should, like, if you like somebody, go talk to them. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about make the first move to die to yourself and sacrifice for the good of another. Be willing to go first. We're to be a different kind of community that, that doesn't hold a list of expectations up and say, hey, when you meet this list of expectations, ah, then we'll love you. We're supposed to initiate. We're the ones who are supposed to make the first move when it comes to loving people. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, but, but notice the conclusion that John comes to in verse 11, the conclusion for how God's love was revealed among us. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another implying in the same way. Make the first move to give selflessly, sacrificially for another's good. And especially among us here. Especially with one another here. It's absolutely imperative. Guys, this chapter keeps going. He talks, he's talking about how, he goes on to say that, that Loving one another is like part of the natural being a Christian. It's integral to just, it's part of our nature. And he also goes on to ask the question, how, do you want, how can you know if you love God's children? How can you know if you love one another? Well, let's look at that. Verse 3 in chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 3. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commandments. And his commands are not a burden. Oh, verse 2, sorry. This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey his commands. The best thing that you can do for one another is to love God and obey His commands. It's not that hard to think about, right? You know, one of the things God says is don't murder. It'd be really good if you, didn't, like if you obeyed that command. For the, for the good of another, don't murder. Don't steal. Oh, if you do, if you, oh man, if you obey that command, don't steal, this is going to be easy, isn't it? Don't envy, don't lust. Or, or what, about, what about some of the more positive commands? Like, 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 build up one another. All these things, right? Like, my goodness. If we love God and obey His commands, this will radically change. Now, all of this is really easy to talk about in light of the gospel. And it's really hard to walk it out. I mean, we, we know the answers, right? Like, some of you, like, this is not new to you. Like, some of you, you've been asking what Hathaway's been asking all the time, like, what is love? It's, it's answered here. The cross of Jesus shows us that. And this really, this should be, and this can be, this has the greatest potential to be, the greatest community of love the world will ever know. But it's also hard to be. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to try to do it on our own. It's de very difficult to try to do it by our own strength, as Joseph was saying earlier. To love one another here can be very hard. I, I understand that. I, I understand it can be hard. I understand that sometimes you show up on a Sunday morning, want, like you're wanting to, to engage in community, and something happens. Something, somebody doesn't do something, or somebody says something, and you leave, and you're just struggling the whole week. Like, oh, man. Am I, is this really where I'm supposed to be? 
Sometimes love is, is hard to feel, which also can make it hard to give sometimes. And we can be too fearful to give too much love to one another for, for all sorts of reasons, right? Like, like, for example, one of our biggest fears about going to be the initiator to making the first move to give sacrificially for the good of another, well, what if, what if they don't do it back? What, what, uh, what, what does that mean about me? Like maybe you tried to love someone who you, like you, you were like, Lord, I need some extra grace because that's an extra grace kind of person and I'm gonna, I want to love on them, so I'm going to love and you go and you, 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 you love them and they don't reciprocate your love. I think the reason why that's so terrifying for us is because what does it mean about me if they don't love me back? I don't think I'm the only one who's struggled with these questions. Am, am I not really that lovable? Uh, am I not worth loving? Like, so, so then you start asking, well, what's wrong with me? Do I need to change my personality? Uh, do, I, do I need to start doing something different or better when I come here? Guys, I just want to let you know that Jesus is not loved by billions of people. There are millions who hate him. So the question is, is Jesus himself and his love itself made less valuable or precious by those who don't love him? No. Not at all. So if, if you feel bad about who you are because of who isn't loving you, then I would argue that God's love for you isn't enough for you yet. Because, brothers and sisters, your value isn't tied to who you can get to love you. It's not. Your value, I mean, trust me, that's what everyone else is saying. Why do you think we're always like on our phones like, oh, how many followers do I have today? And, and oh, I put this post up and how many people liked it? Like that's, we can measure it. But our value isn't tied to who we can get to love us. It comes from he who already loves us. This is one of my favorite quotes from Tim Keller. I'm going to quote him a ton because he just passed away. And, and I'm always thinking about him. He, to be loved but not known is superficial. To be known but not loved is our nightmare. Oh, only Jesus knows us to the bottom and loves us to the sky. Amen? Amen. I think another fear that we often have and carry with us and, and not wanting to give too much love away is because uh, what if they take advantage of my love? What if they just keep asking for more and more and more and they keep using it up? I think most of us would agree that it's really easy to love people that we know aren't taking advantage of us. It's really hard to love people who we think are taking advantage of us. 
Here's the question then. Did Jesus relent to go to the cross because of all of us who would take advantage of and oftentimes find ourselves abusing his grace? Did he say, oh wait, they're going to do that? Nope, cross, forget it. They're going to take advantage of my grace. No, he offered himself up. He made the first move to sacrifice for our good. He knew it. But here's, here's what can happen, though. Because of all of those struggles, uh, uh, because of the noise of the world that we're constantly being bombarded with, bombarded with and, and what love is, right? Like, to tell us that love is something other than this, what, what can happen is, is we can walk in these doors and we can go into our life groups. We can come into this community with the mentality that everyone else should be loving. And like, you're not wrong. That's a good, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's not wrong. This should be the most loving environment apart from Christian marriage and family, right? Like, but, 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 but when you come into the circles of the church, the local church, life groups or disciple bands or, or this gathering here, and that's your, your primary mentality, it's for everyone else, they better be loving, then there's a very dangerous way that you can come in already with that list of expectations that you're holding people to of what they should be and do for you. And I would just point you right back that and, and what will happen is if that's the mentality that you come in waiting for everyone else to love you, you're locking people in your tower and using them for your own good because of what you think they are giving you when in reality they'll never be able to give it to you because there's only one who can give it to you. We can, we can become so concerned with everyone else being loving so that we don't have to be. Guys, I just want to challenge you and say that, that when we go stand before our holy God and we give an account, he's not going to ask you to give an account for everyone who didn't love you. He's going to ask you, how did you love everyone else? We're going to give an account for how I chose to love. And, and, and instead of, instead of, and I'm not trying to dismiss this, I, I know this pain, like instead of lamenting that no one loves you, no one's choosing me, which again, in Jesus is hogwash, it's poppycock, you've been chosen, you are loved. I want us to be the kind of people that, that doesn't hold everyone else's expectations up to them and say, well, you've got to start this and then I'll reciprocate. I want every single one of us to own, I should be loving. And that's not you saying, yeah, Scott Brud, you should be loving. Please, I want you to say that about you. Fill your name blank in there, right? Like, I want to be, regardless of who doesn't love me, I want to be able to go before my dad and say, I love like you loved. I, I, I made, I'm making the first move to give sacrificially for the good of another because, because that's how you love me. And man, your love is better than life itself. So can you focus this into your own heart before you hold it as this qualifier for everyone else around you 
in this body. Don't let, this, don't let uh, people not loving you be an excuse for you to not love in return. You start. Don't come into this body thinking of everything you can get for yourself out of this. Come into this community saying, what? I want to be the first one. I, I, if we're racing, I'm going to be the first one there to give everything I have for this. For your good. Be willing to give your love, even to the hardest people. Because, and I'll just say this lastly. Can you run out of love? Think about it. Joseph has challenged me with this. Can you, can you run out of that? You can run out of time, right? You can run out of money. You keep dishing that out to help people. All of the banks zero, right? You can run out of energy. It can be exhausted. Can love run out? No, your love can never run out because if it's sourced from the wells of heaven, they never run dry. And trust me, I don't, I don't think God's, like when you, like you, when you kind of croak and go um, and you're before God and you're at the pearly gates and he's just trying to do his thing, right? And I really don't think he's going to pull up a, an account and say, why did you give so much love away? Well, really hard people who didn't love you back. What? what? He's not going to heckle you for that. He's going to say, thank you. That's what I've been wanting for my church for millennia. To love this way. So church family, I want to challenge us to love one another even more. As God has loved us, be willing to make the first move to give sacrificially for one another's good. And there's this promise, this guarantee, that if we love in this way, everyone out there is going to know that we really are Jesus' disciples. If we, want, if we love one another like this.